Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast of films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an audience-chosen film. That's right, we asked you guys to help us pick the film. The theme this month was musical biopics, and you have selected This is Spinal Tap, (laughs) a biopic about a band that doesn't exist. So, well done, everybody. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. Um, Katrina, for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? I, I, I'm a cancer and I like long walks on the beach and all that bullcrap. Uh, no, I'm actually a lighting design student uh, in my third year at WAPA. Um, currently working as an associate lighting designer for our major musical, Strictly Ballroom. And when does that one go up? Uh, June 15th is opening night. Excellent. Um, I am very much looking forward to it because... I am looking forward to it too. I've sat in on rehearsals and it's amazing. Excellent. Yes. No, Strictly Ballroom, uh, both the film and the play, I Mm. I really enjoy. So if you're in Perth, get along to that. Yeah. Uh, Spinal Tap. You you have not seen the film. I have not. I I am aware of it because Mm -hmm. my brother is a musical nerd. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, he's a guitarist, so he found and he likes that kind of satire humor. So this very much appealed to him, hmm. but I still didn't see it. Okay. So. so what do you know about the film? I am, I'm pretty sure it's like the first ever mockumentary, technically, it, or, I, I or at think, least at the very least, it'd be one of the earliest. Yeah. Well, at least from what I can think of, the only other one I can think of that comes to mind that would be earlier, which is mm. also musical based, would be The Ruttles, uh, which was like okay. a, a fake Beatles uh, <laughs> mockumentary that Eric Idle was involved with. Oh, okay. um, but that that would have been a few years before this. Mm. But they, they weren't particularly common, I would say, yeah. uh, at the time period this came yeah. out. Yeah, and I know, I also know that if you listen to, if you watch the DVD with the commentary on from the band, it's the fake band complaining about how they're not represented very well in the documentary. And that's about it. That's fantastic. All right. Well, joining us as our guest who has seen the film and making his debut on the podcast, it is Simon Haynes. How are you doing? Not too bad. My name is Simon and I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're here to help you through this. Wrong meeting, dude. This is actually just an intervention just gone wrong. Uh, Yeah, uh, my name's Simon. I'm a cosplayer. I do charity cosplay. I make props. I also make YouTube videos that nobody watches. So we'll be plugging that sometime soon. You can plug it right now if you oh, want. Yeah, just check out Fanboy Crossing. Uh, pretty much Google that. I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm on Facebook. And yeah, subscribe to my t- just plus 20 subscriber count. Yeah. Hey, look, small, there's nothing wrong with a small subscriber count. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Though they be small, <laughs> they, they be, be mighty. Loyal. Yeah, and mighty, <laughs> yes. Um, so Simon, um, this is Spinal Tap. Yes. Um, 
Now, you and I have a bit of a storied history with this in terms of the podcast because... So, yeah, technically this isn't my debut because mm. I did appear as one of the question askers at the first live uh, event for Princess Bride. That's which right. Which was um, Rob Reiner's second film. And I bluntly pointed out that, why didn't you not reference Spinal Tap <laughs> in a huff? Yes, and ever since then, uh, whenever it has come to suggesting films uh, for our various categories, <laughs> Spinal Tap has appeared wherever it is thematically appropriate. Oh, yeah, well, what can, you, what well, can I say? Well, it's, it, this is the thing, though, is obviously you have a, a big love of this film. Hmm. Um, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what is it about Spinal Tap that, um, that, you, that you were um, hoping that Katrina will enjoy in this first watching? I think... It's just a funny film. It's don't go in expecting this grand narrative. It, it is very much a rockumentary. It's very mm. much a pastiche of a lot of these rock bands, particularly like the eighties rock bands. Uh, it, it's just it's not one of those kind of comedies where it's just like punchline, punchline, punchline. Mm. It's situational. It's it's very ad libbed. It's it's it an improv up on movie. You. Yeah, so there's just sometimes you're just watching and then you're just like, oh god, <laughs> things like that. And for me, the music is also brilliant. Like, it, it is a genuinely if you like rock and roll or mm. rock hard rock, this movie is just full of that and is uh, musically it's brilliant as well. And and yes, all the band members on screen are playing their instruments. It's not even faked out like that. Oh, I do have the albums <laughs> literally with me. Mm. Wonderful. Well, we'll have a look at them. Uh, mm. But I think it's probably time to watch the film. Would you guys uh, like to watch This Is Spinal Tap? Let's do it. Uh, for the 100th time, certainly. This is your 100th? No. Oh, I thought you'd Several dozen, like, at least. <laughs> like, this is a repeat viewing Excellent. kind of movie for me. Excellent. Okay, well, for those of you listening at home, uh, pop in your DVDs and prepare to turn it up to 11 as we watch This is Spinal Tap. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching This is Spinal Tap. And by we, I, of course, mean Katrina and Simon. Hello. Hello. So, Katrina, it was your first time watching This is Spinal Tap. What did you think? I really liked it. Um, yeah, you were you were right, Simon. It's not, it's not a massively laugh out loud, mm. but it definitely, it just sort of plods along and goes, this is the thing. And I'm like, yes, that's definitely a thing. That is a wrong thing. You should not be doing that thing. <laughs> a lot of the humour is very blindsidey. Because like, yeah. the first time you watch it, you do kind of go, this is supposed- it is listed as like one of the most influential comedies. Mm. Like, I think it's even in the the movie itself is in like the um, Library of Congress or something like that. It's like oh, yeah. one of those yeah. top 100 um, movies. And first time you watch it, you go, am I supposed to be laughing? And that's why it's a very, it's a tricky one to, push onto people mm. because you go you gotta gotta watch it a couple of times to really get everything and even there it's one of those great movies i'm noticing things yeah. several times on and i think that's i think because it's such a it's such a fly on the wall mm. kind of film which i always find a bit difficult to follow along because i've got terrible hearing <laughs> and so trying to pick out what everyone's saying it just takes a little mm. while to get into the flow of it but i really well, liked it i pointed out to Stephen as i came in but i'll say it again um this movie is mm. mostly ad-libbed and 
uh, improv. Yeah. The only things that were written before filming were the songs, and because of course I had to record the songs for the actual recording of the stage stuff. Mm. But they had a rough plot outline of where they wanted scenes to go, scenes yeah. to begin and end, and they gave them the actors or the you know the occasional prompt, but it was mostly ad libbed. Yeah. Like all the actors in there had no script like Angela <laughs> Houston, Fran Drescher, all them had to come up with all their own lines. Mm. And so yeah, that's saying it was practically all improv. And it has a really it is a really interesting um style to it, uh because of this improvised mm. um script nature, where it really feels obviously it feels natural because mm. because there is no constructed dialogue. But it also feels quite true in mm. a way. Um, yeah. which is obviously uh, yeah. I'm trying to differentiate between real and true I guess but I, I can see yeah. a lot has been referenced from like stories about Pink Floyd and oh, um, all it, the different hair bands and things like that they were very influenced by a lot of tropes mm. to the point where I think it was Eddie Van Halen yeah. actually turned around and started when he finally watched this he, mm. finally, he actually started accusing people around him of where the hidden cameras were because mm. he thought someone was <laughs> following him to to feed these guys information. Oh my god! Um, they did their research. Mm. They did the tropes. They, you know, you got the Yoko Ono kind of plot in there. Yeah. Mm. Other band type of stuff, but um, <laughs> that's what I love about this thing. It's yeah. it, it, and it's it's yeah, it's very natural. Like it's not. It doesn't feel as constructed as like um, some of the other biopics. Even even like one's based on real life. Mm. Like, well, I, th- I think that's the interesting thing with something like a real life yeah. uh, biopic. So, for example, uh, the recent Bohemian Rhapsody mm. or uh, Rocket Man, which will be being released around the time that uh, this episode goes up. Mm. You've got um, real figures. And in the case of uh, those films, a lot of the people who uh, these films are about are still alive and mm. uh, would maybe not uh, consent to as much of the um, Well, you had that the moment detail. in Bohemian Rhapsody where Mike Myers turns up and drops the Bohemian Rhapsody line, and people were just like, oh, "That just kind of breaks the illusion." Mm. Whereas mm. something like this, it was, you know, it was full of unknowns. I mean, mm. they hired people that they knew, but ironically enough, a lot of these people became huge stars not yeah. long afterwards, like Billy Crystal. And that well, yeah, and it's um, it, it, it is quite common. It mm. is a film that is packed with a lot of uh, recognizable faces and voices. Yeah. Um, uh, the the actual story of the film is is like you say a fairly typical rock story. It's it's a band who've been around for a while. Spinal Tap. They're a bit down on their look. The tour starts n- not great. <laughs> Slowly down the tour in from the hell. down spiral. <laughs> yeah, and it's um you've got these um you know these rockers. Uh, you've got uh, David, uh, Nigel, and Derek. Um, and Derek. Thank you. Yes, David, Nigel, and Derek are um, sort of our three leads in the film mm-hmm. and three leads in the band. There's Viv who's floating around. <laughs> Yeah, Viv on keyboards and Mick Shrimpton, who's in the one of the ill-fated drummers. Yes, um, yeah, a lot of drummers uh, got killed. I, I, I thought when going into this, knowing about the drummers being um, somewhat uh, short lifespans, <laughs> I, I thought we were going to see multiple drummers within the film. Uh, but we had the yeah. same drummer for pretty much the I, whole thing. I believe yeah. at the point of this film, they went through eight drummers in the entire career. By the time they hit the 10th anniversary of the film uh, as at least another couple by that stage because um, spoilers in the movie um, Mick Shimpton dies with you know he explodes right literally at the end of the movie and then Joe Mama Bassa which is a Stooges uh, a three Stooges not the band Stooges reference mm. yeah. 
and he dies. Well, well he doesn't Japan. die. He after the tour of Japan, he mysteriously disappeared with all the rest of the equipment. Oh, gee. <laughs> right. That's it was loaded into a shipping container and they never saw him again. <laughs> right. And, and it you... was Mick's, Mick's brother, Rick Shrimpton, who joins Spartap for the 1992 tour. Mm. And I think it's really interesting that the we, we follow the lives of these rockers and we see them on this tour and it does mm. feel real and true mm. even though they, these are all obviously people pretending to be these rockers and mm. i think the fact that there is such an interest in them which has followed from beyond this film mm. so the fact that they did a follow-up film as you've said the return of spinal tap which yep. is more of like an in concert yeah. uh thing with a few extra scenes and the fact they now actually have albums with actual songs that mm. these guys are performing and they're still performing and, and they well, are still performing they're... i think i think it's like um like fan fiction mm. You things start out with like this little just small following, and then they people are like, Oh, this is actually really cool. This is there's actually a legal reason why they keep recording. Mm. Well, why is that? Okay, so basically, what happened is, um, these guys created all these characters in the 70s and mm. they made decided to make this movie. And of course, part of getting the movie funded, they had to sign away the rights. When they came uh. to do the tour in 992 they had to try and find the movie rights again so they could play the characters. And it took them like two years to find, because about three studios had went bankrupted and the, the rights got sold. And they couldn't buy the rights back. They said, well, we'll license you the rights, but they had to keep making something like every, I've heard it sounds like between three and 10 years. They had to make something to keep the license so they could use these characters and the songs. Right. Oh, okay. At least the songs from the first album. Yeah. So they got the licensing, then a few years later, they'd do something else, like they've done adverts as mm. Final Tap characters, or they've released a new album and do other stuff. And then a couple of things, they did um, things at Live Earth, Live Earth or Live Aid? I think it was Live Aid. The yeah. anniversary of it? Yeah, they did like yeah. Live Aid, where they did, um, they released a new song called Warmer Than Hell. It was their environmental song. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2009, they did Glastonbury. And... Uh, and they just performed again this year. So but now, they're, they're no longer do it in the costumes. It's or anything very, like very much through the looking glass. Started a movie as a fake, uh, as a fake band and became a band. <laughs> they all play their own instruments. Um, all three of them were quite well. Huge, I thought uh, they were all musical nerds as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the music nerds. in this film is great. Yeah, and it's quite good. I mean, I, I was obviously they, they are creating um this this image of of these bands that they're pastiching and mm. you know at times it feels extremely uh, like uriah heap or all these mm. sort of uh, hair and metal bands and mm. um i and you know the, the the almost like the mysticism of parts of it the, mm. the the whole introduction to the stonehenge song with the talk of the druids <laughs> and they're taking it very seriously <laughs> but they clearly are just going there were hundreds of years ago before there the was history, of history. <laughs> <laughs> strange there, pace of people the druids they did things <laughs> we're not sure what uh, but very much feeding into those things that you got from bands of that time yeah. that kind of um that that 70s period of you know acts like ozzy osbourne and van halen like yeah. Yeah. uh yeah the other one's like saxon which is actually yeah it was a bit it was very um, saxony uh harry shearer who played derek actually toured with them uh, behind the scenes and uh oh he talked with saxon he's talked with saxon for wow. about a few months in england and he picked up a lot of uh, derek's mannerisms from the bassist from saxon including the um open riff playing like playing but 
pressing on the frets but not actually strumming and <laughs> putting the devil horns like stuff like that is from Saxon wonderful they, they did their research and I, I yeah. love um, the, I love how they do the previous era music as well because even that is still yes, mm, it's still great. incredibly good yeah so you have your sort of uh, 60s um, Beatles slash mm. the animals um, you know sort of black and white yeah. playing um, just stood still playing the guitar and then it so moves so many into the... satin shirts and then yeah the late 60s uh, mm, the psychedelia of, yeah the, uh, the listen, what is it listen, listen to, to the, the flower, flower people, people. Well, yeah. I believe this, the official track is just called flower people brackets listen to the <laughs> And then also the terrible go-go dances as well. We, yeah. They were... Like, completely out of time. Or just like, what song are you listening to, girls? But the thing I really enjoyed about the music, and particularly the fact that, you know, it is the performers who are performing um, the mm. music properly, is I feel it allowed them to really extrapolate some fantastic jokes and humour from mm. that. So um, things like... Um, Nigel Tufnell playing uh, classical music <laughs> on the guitar riffs, which is pretty impressive that he's doing mm, it, but yeah. obviously is very out of place in the sort of spinal tap image they're trying to create. Mm. And when they have the terrible concert at Themeland, and you've got this sort of jazz oh, thing the jazz that they're trying to do, uh, like pre- I think it's it's really it it takes really good musicians to sound bad in That's that way. That's it. Um, I remember what was so one of the very early. Um, sound recorded movies was it the jazz singer yeah mm. jazz singer was the first uh talkie. I can't remember, but it was um i can't remember which actor it was but the they had to like this is when they started to try and redub audio mm. over stuff because i'm trying to remember which actor it was he was he could not play the trumpet and he was so bad at fake playing the trumpet he just made this terrible noise so they just went uh we're just gonna have to dub everything <laughs> So yeah, it actually takes a professional to play a an instrument badly correctly. Yeah. Yes, and it really it really shows. Like you know, and when they're doing that harmonizing scene at the grave of Elvis, <laughs> and they're badly harmonizing uh, and not quite getting it right, it, it, it's still it, it's obvious that there is skill there, and mm-hmm. the ability to misuse that skill was really good. It, it yeah. really it really just felt like we were in sort of safe hands, comedically speaking. That they knew what it was that they were doing. To, to create this sort of awful dichotomy within uh, the band. I don't want to preempt your trivia, mm. uh, but the entire movie was actually filmed in LA. Oh, yes, so, I did read that, yeah. So, yeah, um, the gray, the Graceland scene was completely faked up for yeah. them to be there. And I believe, because I was listening to the audio commentary and the Criterion, <laughs> I'll get to the audio commentaries in a tick, but um, they actually spelled... Um, Elvis Aaron Presley correctly as a because this is the conspiracy theory with Elvis being alive is that the tombstones um, Aaron is misspelled. Oh, oh okay. so they actually got really? the right spelling on the Spinal Tap. So someone's muck up on masonry is yeah. potential proof that Elvis is still alive. It's an obvious sign when you it's think a, about yeah, it. Well, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and there's so many correlation, not causation. <laughs> Um, so the, obviously this uh, this rockumentary, mm. uh, which is being filmed by Martin De Bergi. Um, <laughs> Martin, I can't cross my arms. Probably. <laughs> oh, <love that. laughs> he, yeah, he did. Struggle. He just goes. Mm. <laughs> um, it, it's it, it it is fun looking at this this mockumentary style mm. and you know the sort of yeah. realism that you get. And at times, <laughs> at times, I really felt like um, I, I forgot that it was the documentary thing because, mm. like, particularly when like 
the 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 manager Ian Lee like quits the band yeah. like that just feels like a proper yeah it is it's a proper dramatic scene mm. um, and you forget that oh this is being filmed as part of a documentary but then it comes back into it when you have things like yeah. where Janine is introduced to the people behind the camera um, mm. you know things like that yeah. it's it, it it is really interesting how they mix up those styles um, you get so used to the mechanics of the film being a mockumentary that it just mm. starts to you don't realize it and then when you kind of get taken back into that world like i i never noticed the boom shots anymore even the other cameras then this time watching around because i was being a bit more analytical and they're going oh god look at those cameras because you just kind of phase them out because you're so invested in what's going on Mm. um the film in in a way almost feels like a series of sketches that have been put yes. together, particularly yeah. when we're learning things about each of the individual band members. And you have obviously the infamous, the amp goes up to 11. <laughs> you can hear the sustain, the tiny sandwiches, yes. uh, that kind of thing, the tiny bread. Um, was there a particular moment for you, Katrina, watching this um, that stood out as being just genuinely uh, trouser droppingly hilarious? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be one that I'll pick up on in several days when mm. I'm rethinking about it. Going, yeah, that was amazing. I kind of, I was expecting the whole Stonehenge thing because my brother had told me about mm. that, and mm. I was just waiting for it. I was like, come on, come on, come mm. on. Were you expecting the dwarves? <laughs> no, I forgot about those. <laughs> I was just like, oh man. Because that that I I did not know but it was coming. That leads to one of the best moments when David Saint Hubbins and I'm I. I don't, I'm not going to straight away, but he goes, you know, in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. Yeah. You know, I think it's too much of, you know, it should have been made a big deal. Or it's like, well, this may- is such maybe, a quad Maybe we movie. can just move it across. <laughs> Change the choreography. Maybe they'll kind of sort of run into yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things that when that happens and you see the band reacting to what the f- is going on, like it's, it's just brilliant it's just so wonderful i thought of a moment go on watching the stayed the roadie try and get the bass drummer <laughs> out of what was it a clamshell yeah, yeah like the, the um, wrestler's thing it's yeah. the um rock oh, rock and roll creation oh, uh, okay. no heavy duty yeah it's like the yeah the clamshell yeah, yeah. it's gonna try hammer now i'm gonna try blowtorch yeah. and then obviously opening right when it's the end of the song and then he gets his arm <laughs> trapped when he tries to jump back in do you want to know a bit of behind the scenes for that what please the did platform... actually get stuck? No. Uh, the... no this, that was all scripted. This is the funny bit. The black platforms mm. that, were, that brought these clamshells on, the reason why they were shaped the way they were, because actually those clamshells were actually held together by people. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a person underneath. I just found this out last night. And they're held together by people. So when uh, Moke and Derek are trying to prize them open, the guy underneath is desperately trying to keep it closed. <laughs> and it was actually quite difficult for them to keep doing it. Right. That's, so, that's brilliant. Oh, For me, um, just thinking about a particular scene that jumped out, I absolutely loved the um, airport in foil zucchini scene. <laughs> um, it's just, just so. I just wonder so well why. It's, why? It's so okay. It's... I under no. I understand why a rocker would put a zucchini down his pants. Mm, yeah. Why wrap it in tin foil? That's the one mystery that's never been solved. Um, <laughs> apart from the fact that the, it's a gag. Uh, yeah. You've got to keep it fresh to eat later. Yeah. Oh, I presume he's yeah, not going to let his not going to let a zucchini go to waste. Maybe there <laughs> is literally so much cut material from this film where they yeah. did set up a lot of these gags, which yeah. they ended up either. Keeping, keeping the payoff or just not going back to mm. the zucchini one was yeah um 
Nigel and David go up to actually went up to to Derek and said, and they're trying to gently tell him that he didn't have enough going up front, <laughs> mm. and apparently it's like this just never ending innuendo, <laughs> mm. and uh, I don't think that that's that material's come out. Uh, yeah. I, apparently, there's like a four and a half hour cut of this film. Oh my god. And I haven't found it yet. But on subsequent DVD releases, including the one we've looked on, there's like mm. at least an hour and a hour to 90 minutes worth of deleted scenes. Not so outtakes, just yeah. deleted scenes. So there's an additional film on top and of there's this. There's at least at least one, maybe two additional films. It's, yeah, depending how you cut it. Well, that's just yeah. it. This this was an 83-minute runtime. Mm. And it's. I think it was pretty much bang on the perfect length. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed the fact that it didn't overstay its welcome. The story... Such that it was. You definitely kind of got a arc. sense of of feeling the turns of the spiral as mm. they went on their downward trend. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you know if the gigs get worse, and you're kind of like, oh no, this isn't going well. And then you know Janine taking over the management of the band, and then Janine's on stage. Yeah, with the tambourine, and it's just kind of like Janine, what are you doing? But the 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 actual tour was going to hell right from the beginning. Yeah, like, uh, like they even said, like you know. Was it Baltimore? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not a big college town. Yeah. No, Boston. Yeah, Boston, that was it. Boston is not a big Which college town. Which is very town. much a big college yes. town. Yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. And that's the thing I love about Ian in this film is that he is, while everyone's like comedic and idiotic, yeah. he's just this prick. He's like the smartest man in the room and he knows things are going down. And But he, he can't do anything about it. I think it's really interesting that Ian, um, one, always carries around a cricket bat. Yeah. I thought that was great. Very old school, like, Eton feels like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I really sort of um, enjoyed about what what his character was, though, was he wasn't silly like, you know, someone like Nigel mm. when he's being interviewed. You know, you know, these this is what I'd look like if you took my off all my flesh. Exact structure <laughs> yeah. in a t-shirt. Don't don't even point at the guitar. Don't, <laughs> no, even don't touch it. Don't even point. Yeah, it's not it's not so much that he's um, Ian's not so much a silly character, but he is mm. such a I feel like a good representation of those managers oh. of the mm. depictions of managers. It's yeah. right up there as a classic. You know, things like where it's. Um, where it's the your your crowds have been getting smaller. No, we've just been attracting a more selective audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's just some really he, fantastic. He's such a great asshole in this. Uh, part of my French, but he's such a great asshole in this. Mm. I mean, it's uh, Tony Hendra that's playing him. Who's mm. just what he, else has he been in? Um, he was in um, a National Lampoon's uh, oh, okay. film. He's I been in. A lot of these guys were very much well. He was sorry. He was a writer on that. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, he's been very much more involved in sort of comedy behind the scenes stuff Mm. because he was a producer on Splitting uh, Spitting Image, Mm. um, for example. But did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's because he's like one of the very few Brits that are actually in this film. Like most of the most of the cast were American. Yeah, Um, including the three leads. But they do very good British accents. They do. I was quite impressed. Yeah, particularly. I mean, Harry Shearer. We know from his uh, his work since then. We have to bring him up. We do because he is. Because I don't know if you know this, but um, Harry Shearer is on Simpsons. Was he? Derek Derek Smalls is. Let's think about it. Principal Skinner. Principal Skinner. Uh, Mr. Burns. Mr. Mrs. Smithers. uh, Reverend Lovejoy. Oh, okay. So he's and, like at least like a dozen or so yeah. voices on uh, The Simpsons. Mm. Yeah, and you actually get to hear a little bit of um, his voice work. His voice. He's the radio. Announcer. He's the radio announcer that says, "Where are cups, they now?" Cups oh, and yeah. cakes, uh, and that's kind of like the classic Harry Shearer. 
uh, radio, radio voice, because yeah. that's the one he uses in his character in Wayne's World 2 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is... This I is... forgot he was in Wayne's World 2. Yeah, he's got Damn. a rock and roll kind of career, really. Well, what I love about... Uh, um... I just remember him from Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I haven't... Which I think he actually is like a music producer in that as well. I'm afraid I haven't seen that. No, no, sorry. I I'd, think he's a real estate um, um, God, I'm trying to think his name. Michael, Michael McKean. Mm. Uh, another one of my favourite music comedy movies. He plays the shitty radio executive in Airheads. And that was actually, oh, I saw yeah. Airheads before I seen Spinal Tap. So, you know, you see him like almost both ends of the, the music spectrum in that. And as I pointed out in a hundred or so episodes ago, um, uh, Nigel Tufnell is the six mean good man in Princess Bride. Mm. Mm. And so he's, it, um, Princess Bride was Rob Reiner's mm. second film after this. So there's a lot of like Spinal Tap alumni mm. in there, like um, Billy Crystal. Well. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it was, that was when you see Billy Crystal as one of those mimes talking to Dana Carvey. Um, Mime is money. Yeah. Oh, I'm not <laughs> it's, but it, 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 it was one of those things going, okay, because on paper you're going to go, this is Spinal Tap and Princess Bride seem like they would be very different films mm. uh, and they are but there is a little bit of that yeah. kind of through line of mm. um, through line of humor yeah which i think is really interesting yeah. and it's rob reiner uh, he's this is a really well shot film mm. like as much as it's you know oh it's mockumentary it's they it's actually hired a real documentarian to shoot this mm. yeah and a lot so of like it... the way the concerts are shot i think mm. are really well they're really well shot you get a lot of uh good use of low angles which create that feeling of when they're yeah. in those concerts that are going well towards the beginning you get the feel of the audience yeah mm. and i think um it, it was just a, a this was actually a surprisingly fun film to just watch visually yeah. you know it didn't feel cheap it mm. didn't feel um or rushed in anything like it, it felt was like, a low budget film it was only mm. for like 2.2 million dollars or something like that and mm. uh, they stretched that out as much as possible like most of the cast and crew well, most of the cast wore their own clothes, mm. except for you know, some of those leather numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I should say most of this, the clothes they are wearing when they're not on stage yeah. were their own. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I particularly loved um, Derek's uh, sort of bondage leather. That is thing. in a museum somewhere. <laughs> Really? I'm not joking. It's in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it oh, was perfect, okay. though, for recreating that look. <laughs> that kind of just like, you know, like, ooh, masochistic oh, kind of... That's the actual outfit they, his character wears on The Simpsons when the Spinal Tap goes on Simpsons. Mm. He's wearing, the, Derek is actually wearing the leather harness. That's fantastic. It just looks so huge on him. It did. It did. It did. Yeah, he's a surprisingly uh, kind of like small, skinny dude in this. It's, mm. but, yeah. You know, with the big, like, Lemmy-style mutton chops as well. Mm. Oh, the, uh, and the handlebar mustache. Yeah. It's, which was fake sadly oh was it Aww. yeah it was sad. fake all the hair was fake in this movie well I mean the wigs maybe I, not I so I quite surprising. enjoyed the hair actually as 80s as it was I quite enjoyed the hair from mm. all from everyone it was the right amount of terrible yeah. yes yeah the yeah. wigs actually paid off 10 years later because when they were doing the other tour they would open for Spinal Tap would open for Spinal Tap as a different band called the Folksmen, <laughs> right. which was a folk music thing. So they all had like, you know, they were pretending to be like their 60s or something like that. So they had like gray, gray hair, bald wigs, uh, different mustaches, and they would often get booed off stage. <laughs> <laughs> so they come out in makeup, start playing folk songs, and then the, the rocker guys were like, get off, get off. And they go backstage and chain back into Spinal Tap. <laughs> Um, the film ultimately, though, does come to a bit of a, a, a 
sort of dramatic uh, close because we mm-hmm. have Ian obviously quitting because uh, Janine's come in and David's trying to get her to be more um, more involved, more involved, and be mm-hmm. like a co-manager. She takes over managing the band. They do the uh, Washington Air Force gig, <laughs> which was. Again, just sex farm. Yeah, such a great song. All these people just leaving, going like, <laughs> "Oh, this is no good." Shaking their heads, holding their ears. Oh. Um, Nigel throws his guitar down because his amp is being affected by like traffic by control. radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he throws it down and storms off, and it looks as though, oh, this is this is going to be the end of Spinal Tap, and it's really whimpering out. Um, and then he comes uh, comes back at towards the end. Nigel basically saying, "Look." One of our songs is doing really well in Tokyo. Mm. We we might Just be able to messenger. go. Yeah, we might mm. be able to go to all Japan, and they ultimately decide to do that. And yeah. which I find is quite a common theme sometimes in maybe not movies like these, but in some movies, uh, we're not doing well. Our product or our band or whatever, we're not doing well in America or Europe, but the Japanese really like it. Yeah. So we've got a career. We're big in <laughs> yeah. Japan. It's, yeah. it's that the kind whole of thing. big in Japan thing seems to be a bit of a um, almost a Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. of of some films. Yeah, and but but I think it is also nice because by the time yeah. you you want them to succeed, yeah. or at least yeah. I wanted that this yeah. watching this. Yeah, mm. I did. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, this is good. They found they found people that want to sort of reward what they what they are, which is yeah. you know a run of the mill but still fun. Rock Although band. part of me would have loved to have seen them just decide to pack up and uh, where are they now? Yeah, <laughs> and like mm. one of them's got a hobby farm and the others. Well, that's pretty much return the return of Spinal Tap. Oh, really? Actually, uh, it's revealed that um, after the Japanese tour, they disbanded mm. and they come back together for the excuse in Return of Spinal Tap. The Return of Spinal Tap is that Ian had died. Okay. And they were coming to, they got that, got them together and they kind of done the, another tour. Yeah. In our reality, uh, they just wanted an excuse. And actually the guy who played Ian turned around and wrote an article saying, Ian Faith is not dead. <laughs> you know, they, they faked it. Yeah, you know, they just you know, tried to get him, they tried to scream out of money. Well, all the drummers d- mysteriously disappeared. So <laughs> yeah. why not Ian? But it was, oh, I love them. That's one thing I love about Spinal Tap is I love the meta uh, meta narrative surrounding yeah. it over the few years as well. How it very much like, sort of dances with the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah I mean, these guys have been living with these characters for now almost forty years, mm. and they've actually done a lot of. They did all their radio into. They did all their interviews promotional in character. Mm. Yeah. So they lived with these characters for long so time. long. They didn't do many promotional stuff out of character, and that actually pissed off a lot of people. It's like I came to talk to the stars, and I didn't want to talk to these stupid rockers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they continued the narrative along the way, and it was all improv. It's kind of like, in a way, um, Peter Sellers. He never—I don't mm. think he ever did an actual interview with him. He always did it in character. Yeah. Because he probably, I think, because he suffered from massive anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was. But yeah, that's always he interesting. Was, he was one of those guys that, that was either on or off. Yeah. Mm. And I've got one of these, the videos somewhere is the, a lot of his home videos. And mm. yeah, it's just like, the guy was a genius and mm. yeah, de- deeply troubled. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But all in all, Katrina, uh, Spinal Tap. Yes, I quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I I could see this as being a film that I put on at a party. Um, That's a really good shout. This is a yeah. this is a great party film. Yeah, because it's if people know it, they'll be like they'll oh. 
watch this bit. Yeah, they'll be like, watch this bit. This is awesome. Okay, now we can go back to chatting. And it's got, yeah, it's just got that sort of gentle pace Mm. uh, that just keeps on moving. It keeps on moving. Doesn't sort of linger too much on anything. That it's that it's like perfect party party fodder. I'm I'm really happy to hear you say this because it is it is an aged film. It's like going back and I'm going to bring this up. Going back over just recently, mm. and I was like, I've forgotten just how some of these things can be a little bit. Yeah, they even call it out sexist. Yeah, mm. like they're talking about like the, the white boys that do, and the arm covers, and I'm there mm. going, you know, in my burgeoning feminist ways, it's like, oh god, please don't, please don't make these people well, think this is a terrible movie because it's kind of a bit. I think I think hmm. in a way that. But it works for what yeah, they do. Yeah, it works, mm. and it it kind of works for now as well because. Um, French Rush's character is going. This is 1982. We don't do this. And I'm like, yeah, she it's fully calls 2019, and we still do this. Mm. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, for me personally, it, it, it is one of those things where you know, occasionally you'll go back and watch a film. Uh, we had it on the, uh, the Italian Job a couple mm. of weeks ago. Mm. It's like this is a really great film. Oh, there's the bit with Benny Hill's character unless that lady yes. on the tram needlessly. Oh. Yeah. It's like you do get these moments in film sometimes which do feel as though they, they, they ruin it. Just yeah. But badly. what I think Spinal Tap does brilliantly is because it is um, it is very much creating an example of these bands of the mm. time. And the fact is, you know, these guys are like White Snake. Have you? S- I mean, White Snake yeah. are called White Snake is essentially a big penis joke, and yeah. all of their albums Did featured. Not know that. Yeah, yeah. and that, that, to yeah. be fair, I don't really listen to White Snake. <laughs> are you kidding me? You don't sit there rocking out to Child of Babylon. No, not really. That's fair. But the the thing that I think is really good is they bring up the issues of things like sexism on the album, which then leads to the brilliant black album cover joke. Um, but they bring up these things and you've got these characters who are essentially just, they are idiots. Like yes. they're, they're just people that kind of got a bit lucky in terms of they play their music and they've never really had to learn. And, the, you know, the whole thing about, I feel like I'm a preserved moose in a they, room. They, <laughs> they are that kind of ill-educated, um, lower class idiot, British I, idiot yeah. that got say, money. I would say they were very much the average male well, in my nowadays, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Just... <laughs> Well, because no, I, I, I work with a band uh, a, a regularly, um, just, a, just a cover band. Mm. But hearing that sexism conversation, I'm like, I had that conversation yeah. not it's too like, long yeah. ago. It's like we're not being sexist. We're making an example of it. Yeah, but we're not actually, you know, we, we, you know every man is our brother. I mean, we don't say that and yeah. we don't, we don't mean, it. It. <laughs> mean it. It is very much kind of a thing where it's kind There's of like, a very thin line between stupid and and clever yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i think what's really fantastic is the fact that they they are showing the fact that these are people who are essentially just there to entertain and that Mm. these these questions of what is acceptable regarding things like sexism Mm. is not something that they really think about because they're just there to play their songs and the, the you know the fact is the reasons their songs are things like sex farm and big bottom and things like that is because they are reflections of the music that existed at the time yeah and the bands that were performing those songs were making those songs because People like buying them, and it's what the industry was doing. But mm. Pretty much all the songs of Spinal Tap are very tongue in cheek. I mean, they are comedians at heart. <laughs> Just to show you how smart yeah. these people are, the second album is called Break Like the Wind. Mm. <laughs> we should point out as well uh, that uh, Simon has come with uh, various Spinal Tap albums, yeah. um, including uh, Break Like the Wind. That is some amazing. Look at, yeah. look at that moustache. Um, back from the Dead. It is well. it is very good. It is majestic. I mean, it it is well worth looking up yeah. this this sort of material if you if you like Spinal Tap and would like more. 
They've made sure there's more. So, uh, yeah, look it up. It's fantastic. And that's, I, I'm, I can't remember if I said it earlier, but for me, this is as much about the music uh, appeals to me as much as the The movie, I think, yeah. is great. Mm. But I think the movie, the music was what made me love this. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I, I do love the movie. I can watch this forever. And again, I was finding it very difficult to not like sing along or <laughs> quote mine everything as it was going along. I was trying to keep as quiet as possible for your guys' amusement. Yeah. And we appreciate that. But at the same time, I, sing I can, it loud, yeah. sing yeah. it proud. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, while I've not watched this movie in a few years because mm. it's been in storage, the albums are in my car constantly rotated out mm. i'll probably go like every three months i'll whack all the songs back into yeah. it and just rock yeah. out and it's good driving music as well yeah and yeah mm. despite the fact they are pastiches they are excellent songs yeah. uh, and very listenable would you guys like some trivia about this is spinal yes, tap please although i feel like simon's gonna be like yep know this I, i've know been this. trying to keep uh, you know keep quiet because i really i really look forward to the trivia troll mm-hmm. in the episodes when i do listen to him excellent well um, uh here comes the first one then. Uh, after the film opened, several people told Rob Reiner that they loved the film, but that he should have chosen a more well-known band for the documentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, a lot of the trivia was about people that thought Spinal Tap was real. Mm. Um, I did wonder, those early shots in the film where they like talking to fans, I'm like, I wonder if they've actually tried to convince people, if they've hired actors or if they've actually tried to convince people that uh, it exists or they're interviewing them about a completely different I, band. Uh, it's a mixture of half half. Oh, okay. um, the first couple I think were just people, mm. but the ethereal woman, mm. which is what I referred to in the credits, that was an actress, okay. or at least I think that was the wife of a musician. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. just that just tells you the industry in this. In well, the, in this. one of the people who mm-hmm. um, who thought that this uh, film was real or the Spinal Tap were real was Liam Gallagher of Oasis. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Liam and Noel Gallagher went to see Spinal Tap play live. Um, the three stars performed as their own opening act, The Folksman, as you mm-hmm. say, um, in 2003. Liam was bored with the folk music, so his brother explained that The Folksman were played by the same actors. Liam then became distraught as he realised Spinal Tap was not a real band. <laughs> it's like when you realise... San- mm, never mind, I actually. I did not know that. I'm so happy. <laughs> Like when you realise certain certain people connected to to um, holidays aren't real. Yes, very well edited there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mean they're not? The Spinal Tap Fairy is not coming this, to visit. No, no, Spinal you, Tap Fairy doesn't exist. You, you mean this the sandwich lady doesn't exist? In some iterations. Oh my god! Several rock in stars. Wales. I'm sorry. <laughs> Several rock stars have commented on what an uncannily accurate spoof of rock and roll the film is. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne said that when he first watched the film, he was the only person that wasn't laughing because he thought it was a documentary. Oh, Uh, U2 guitarist The Edge said about the film, I didn't laugh, I wept. It was so close to the truth. Um, Marilon had five drummers in the space of a year in between their first two albums, which guitarist Steve Rothery later admitted was like Spinal Tap. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously hit on... Yeah, what it was yeah. like. I'm not sure if it's in there, but um, apparently on tour, even to this day, in tour buses, uh, the two most demand, the two most requested material for the video, the, for the VCRs and the DVD players, is Porn and Spinal Tap. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in that order. I was going to ask. <laughs> okay, you're in a band, you're on tour, and we've obviously just just spoken about how it was a. T- 
touch too close to the bone for some <laughs> big rockers. Why are you wanting to watch that when you're on tour, when you're away from your family because, and everything? Because musicians genuinely love this film. Mm. I think it's partly because they feel like a, a, a kinship with it. It's kind yeah. of like, oh, that's what we were just doing. Yeah. Or, oh, the, you know, uh, our manager's like the cricket yeah. bat guy. Ooh, that mm. kind of thing. Uh, the Kiss bassist Gene Simmons uh, said that a lot of the film was based um, on the band and that they themselves also experienced a moment like the Hello Cleveland scene. <laughs> uh, they were playing in a theater and their dressing room was on the fourth floor. And um, when they went down to the first floor, they found nothing. And then they found nothing on the second floor. Then they could hear themselves being introduced since it turned out that the stage was on the third floor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Watching that sequence, I'm like, I've had that at the State Theatre Centre. So many musicians claim to be the direct inspiration for Spinal Tap. And mm. that, I'm that's... not surprised. I mean, yeah. Gene Simmons is unsurprising that he would try and do that. Yeah. Uh, he's, I know he's in Kiss. Even in Kiss, he seems a bit like an attention seeker. <laughs> he is a... Yeah that's, yeah. that's the nicest way I'll put it. Yeah. yeah. Attention pretty, seeker. Pretty much. Um... In his memoir, Father Joe, Tony Hendra, who played the manager, Ian, mm. uh, admitted that he attempted suicide the night before the first day of filming. Oh, wow. Um, he credits the joy he experienced in making the film in helping bring him back from his very super depressive state. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, which, again, was something I read uh, before going into watching the film. Um, and, again, I, I know, obviously, depression and mental health, it's one of those things where you... you a lot of the time can never truly know. Yeah. And obviously they're acting, they're doing a job and that kind of thing. But it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, he's, it, it just seemed very surprising when you mm. look at what a knockout performance he put in. Mm. But yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, I'm very well, glad that I guess, that I guess it's the, didn't. maybe it's a, like you're saying, the filming man helped him get out of it because I guess you, Films in particular, and I find theatre shows do this as well. You build a family within mm, that, mm. and it can it can make or break you. Yeah, yeah. collaborative yeah. efforts, especially in something like this, where mm. everyone has to put in, is it's it's an all or nothing. You know, especially yeah. mm. I think one of the great things, especially in this film, is everyone's kind of on. Everyone's bringing their A game. Yeah, it's not so much as that, but it's like everyone kind of gets it, and yeah. everyone just is trying there to be no, funny. Or there were no real false notes. No, yeah. no, other than the deliberate ones. False notes. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst improvising jazz. <laughs> Uh, Rob Reiner was originally going to be one of the band members. Yes. He ended up directing the film after Harry Shearer said he didn't look good in spandex. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. It's fair cool. Mm. It's, a, it's a difficult fabric to pull off. Mm. Uh, they make, a joke, of, they make a yeah. joke about that on the DVD where the, the band members say, you know, Marty Dvorky wanted to become one of the band, but it sounded like he was tuning a bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a popular bar slash music venue on the east side of Milwaukee changed its name to Shark Hall after mm. the fictitious location where the band appears midway through their fateful tour. Mm. So you can actually go to a Shark Hall Tap in Milwaukee. It. Tap opened it. <laughs> the IMDb ranking for this movie uh, shows a special scale from 1 to 11, <laughs> although users can still only choose a rating between 1 and 10. Yep. But that's a nice touch. And I feel as though... That 1 to 11 joke really kind of overshadows the film, I think. The mm. film is so much more than that. And yeah. it's a great joke. And it is think, a great scene. I think because it's just so... You can pick it up, you can pick it up so quickly. Mm. Um, and it seems so ridiculous. Although, once you understand... And I do not claim to be a soundie. But I do know one thing. Once you understand how, how sound 
works um, in the fact that it's exponential, mm. yeah. <laughs> realize, no, 11 isn't one bit more, more. louder than 10. It, but just a lay person can can get that. It mm. is the perfect dumb guy joke. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you know, we just made this go to 11 so it could sound better. You know, it would be bigger. Than, that's even like the beginning. They call them like Britain's loudest band. Yeah. You know, they they don't they don't talk they don't talk about how good they are in regards to quality how yeah. good they sound they're like very great musicians no they're just loud. It's mm. like when I when I used to work at a theater that got lots of um, cultural community music, and the thing that was constantly requested for was more volume and more reverb. Yeah. Yeah, acoustics is a thing that I know like the barest is, minimum yes. of. It is very much. It is very much a dark and art. I am. Um, I did. I did. A, I did a course in. I'm. I'm also a fellow Murdoch uh, student yeah. a long time ago, in the mists of in the dawn of history, <laughs> and I barely. I barely passed my sound course. <laughs> I, I got fifty one percent. Hey, that's a pass. That's a yeah, pass. Yeah, please get degrees, man. So uh, I'm not good with sound. In Norway, the film was released direct-to-video over two years later. The title was changed to Help! We're in the Pop Business, a spin (laughs) on the Norwegian title for the film Airplane. They changed the film Airplane's name to Help! We Are Flying. Uh, The poster showed a guitar with a knot in it, similar to the airplane poster with an airplane in the knot. Oh, that's cool. That's that's all kinds of meta. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do like the title. Help! We are in the Pop Business! Oh, Norway. J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter book series, cites Spinal Tap as an inspiration for the repeated unfortunate events that caused the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts to leave their jobs. Uh, Basically saying it was uh, inspired by what happened to all the Spinal Tap dramas. To all the dramas, yeah. Mm. Although they portray Englishmen, none of the three leads are actually English, as we discussed before. Christopher Guest comes close, though. Oh, yes. He is the fifth Baron Hayden Guest by right of hereditary British peerage. Oh, Married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Ah. There you so go. go. We have so, nothing further to comment on. I don't know. I just, I meant to bring that up and I thought, oh yeah, Thomas, yeah, Thomas Hayden. I really uh, like Jamie yeah, Lee Curtis. Ch- uh, Hayden, Hayden Guest, yeah. This, there's, actually fo- there's actually photos of Jamie Lee Curtis in the House of Lords. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. When asked on Twitter how Derek came to be wearing a Shrewsbury Town jersey, uh, Harry Shearer said... That was me hanging around London and seeing a selection of football jerseys at a corner stand. The Shrewsbury one caught my eye, uh, since Derek dreamed of, like Sir Elton John, buying a team but couldn't afford a top flight one. (laughs) And Shrewsbury Town, very much still not in the top flight. So uh, (laughs) the dream is still on. It's a very taffish kind of... Oh, it's great. And... um, I, you know, it, it very much also feeds into that, you know, British bands is normally one that's wearing like some sort of football based jersey or something yeah. like that. And it just looked great. That sort of blue and orange stripe. Uh, which, oh, it's such a yeah. great. I, yeah. I had a shirt like that when I was a kid. It wasn't a football jersey, but it was that exact same kind of stripey yeah. shirt. And it was, it was, I mean, it is a striking pattern and it mm. is what Shrewsbury played in for a number of years. You know, they are those traditional team colours mm. and it looks great in the film. Uh, the final bit of trivia we have um, is regarding the 37 different people who have been in the band over the years, <laughs> excluding the two original members, one keyboard player and the original and current bass players. It means that the band has had 32 different drummers who have inexplicably died. That's not 
entirely accurate. It's, <gasps> no, in the first movie, they say it's roughly about eight. Yeah. There's been other band members, like other bassists, other rhythm guitars, mm-hmm. other stuff like that. But yeah, there's only been about eight drummers. Okay. Uh, that tally has gone up. So <laughs> it's a, I reckon the last count, it's got to be closer to about 12, 15. Okay. Excellent. Because they tend to they tend to misplace one at the end of each tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Just leave one in a country. I just loved the fact that one of them spontaneously combusted. <laughs> that was just that made me giggle. More of a stain than a corpse. Yeah. Spontaneous combustion happens a lot more frequently than people realise. Um, so, with all that being said, it's time to score the film. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. So, this is where um, we obviously score the film uh, between 1 and 10, or today, 1 and 11. Um, with 1 being, uh, it's now good, and 11 being... It's, it's louder than 10. Yeah, exactly. Well, so it's 1 louder. It's a whole sound louder. Uh, Katrina, as you uh, have not seen the film, you get oh. to go first. What are you giving Spinal Tap out of 11? Oh, what could I give... I'd probably go for nine and a half uh, bass players stuck in a clamshell <laughs> <laughs> out of 11. Um, yeah, it, it had me laughing. I really enjoyed the songs. Um, I think, yeah, it's aged, but I don't think it, like, in, in some ways, I don't think it has aged. Mm. It's just giving us a, a window into a different time, which which is the mark of a good documentary, even if this is a mockumentary. Mm. Simon, what are you going to give it? Uh, I've been thinking long and hard about this for two years, and I have to say I'm going to give it 11. These guys to 11s. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, it is it is tremendously fun. This is my first time watching it the whole way through, um, having just seen bits and pieces over the years. I really enjoyed it. I think it, it does hold up really well. Mm. I think it's, um, it's a very strong film. I think it's maybe not, you're right it isn't laugh out loud funny hmm. and that's not a criticism um of that's, it it's that's just an observation yeah but the, obviously the way people speak about it, it, it and talk about it and enjoy that sort of mm. that shared experience i'm maybe i had an expectation of having more laugh out loud moments hmm. but at the same time i can see why so many people love this film i it think is... because it doesn't go for those massive laughs yeah that that's why it's got yeah. staying power it's not really as cheap as some other comedies mm. where it comes to trying to just get those just trying to get the laugh yeah there's like there's 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 actually good setup and payoff in this yeah. film as well yeah so for me i would give it um i'm gonna give it eight tiny stonehenge monuments out of 11 <laughs> that's valid it was um yeah eight it was inches great. not feet <laughs> yes <Eight> yes <laughs> just, just the one jokes. dash the one dash yeah. yeah you're not as confused as nigel are you <laughs> Well, this was tremendous fun. Uh, Katrina and Simon, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for indulging me after two years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for introducing me to Spinal Tap. (laughs) And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Uh, Ooh, Simon, uh, you are one of our Patreons. I am. Um, I actually signed up to Patreon halfway through the live action, the live... when you first announced it. Excellent. So, you know... As soon as you you had the address, I went onto my phone and... (laughs) That's fantastic. So, with that being the case, then, uh, what are some of the benefits with being on the Patreon? Well, Stephen, some of the benefits are you get to vote in or you get to suggest future movies. You get an outtake reel. And there's also an interview with the stuntman from The Lord of the Rings, which was very, very informative. 
It was, and uh, our Patreon's got the early access to that. And I'll take the check in cash, please. Okay, I'll write it out later. Um, but yes, uh, Patreons, if you like that bonus feature, and maybe future bonus goodies, which might be upcoming, who knows, uh, then go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Or as many as a thousand dollars a month. Depends on what you want to give, really. Um, if it's a thousand dollars, Stephen will personally come to your house mm-hmm. and sign and like shake your hand. Yes, that is that is all you will get though. <laughs> I'll shake your hand and then leave mysteriously. I'm on the Stonehenge tier. It's eleven dollars. <laughs> Uh, you can also uh, get in touch with us through Facebook uh, if you choose to, if that's your preferred social media platform. Uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there, leave us a message, leave us your own reviews. And of course, make sure that you are subscribed uh, because that way you get it fresh each and every week. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on SoundCloud or iTunes or other podcasting and podcatching services. And while you're subscribing to things, Fanboy Crossing! Yay! Subscribe to that. YouTube, Facebook, all then. Mm, and they can see some... Have you done any Spinal Tap cosplay? No, but here's the funny thing. I've ordered the cap badges, because I thought we were going to be doing this a few weeks from now. So mm. I've actually ordered the cap uh, badges for Marty DeBergie's cap, because, oh, that's a bit of trivia. We can add this bonus. Yep. Um, Marty DeBergie's hat says the Oral Sea. Yeah. I'm it's assuming suppo- that's a play on the Coral Sea. Well, that's the funny thing. He wanted a naval cap, but yeah. he couldn't afford the rights to his proper naval so- logo. So they got a naval cap and just replaced the C with an O and then two of the numbers and the letters on the bottom. Yeah. So I, f- I found the patch. I found the bits for the epaulets. I've ordered, I've ordered them in, but they're going to take like two weeks. Mm. So we might see a Spinal Tap-based cosplay soon? Maybe. Probably not this year. We're already making three at the moment. Mm. What are your current <clears throat> projects? I'm making a Marvin the Paranoid Android, mm-hmm. and I'm doing Hazel from Umbrella Academy, and I'm going to be doing a Wreck-It, another Wreck-It Ralph costume, because I do Wreck-It Ralph as a cosplay, but I'm working on another one. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. So until next time. Goodbye, Cleveland! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Can I also point out, thank you very much, audience, for allowing this to be the film that was on episode 111. Oh, really? Yes! Yes! It is very, very uh, pleasing. (laughs) I realised that yesterday when I was doing my notes going, Oh, oh, well, this this episode goes up to 111. (laughs) Oh,